Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today as we've been uh, putting out some thought-provoking conversations that have to do with uh, spirituality and kind of everyday life. And today we're going to be talking about uh, sex in the church. Uh, So joining me today is Melissa Tressel. So Melissa, thank you for uh, joining me. Hi, Scott. It's good to be here. Um, yeah, so, to kind of share my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So tell tell my so tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Um, I am a 37 year old current stay at home mom, homeschooler. I've been married for 17 years and have four children, ages five to 11. And I'm also currently a first generation farmer. We purchased a farm a couple years ago, so that's a new adventure. My degree is in social work, and I've also spent a lot of time in full-time camp ministry and church ministry. All right. Great. So I know when I was just kind of putting feelers out for people who want to join me on this podcast, and I mentioned sex in church, like you were one of the first ones to jump right in and say, hey, I'm having conversations with this with people from my church, with other moms. So definitely, I like to like to get on this. So why do you think that this topic of sex and church life, spirituality, why do you think this is something that in some cases is things that people are now kind of discussing, talking about, and even at some point, why was this such always a taboo subject? Um, I know for, for me currently, it's because my oldest son is getting to the age where we're about to start having these kind of more important conversations regarding, you know, his body and sexuality and um, things like that. And so just in conversation with other moms, we were reflecting on what, you know, how it was discussed with us as kids and teens. And then kind of now as time has gone, you know, what we've learned and how we might want to approach it. Some things the same, but some things differently with our own kids. And I think as a whole, um, just, it's something for a long time, I feel like that really wasn't talked about much. Mm. And now I think, at least I know for me, if, if the conversation is open and you can, you're, you're, not, you're comfortable talking about it, then I think you can have more honest and real conversations with your kids. And it's about being comfortable and discussing it and not, not it not being taboo, it being yeah. okay to talk about. So, yes. And I would agree with you because, you know, especially as a uh, counselor and sometimes when I do marriage counseling, you know, a lot of times mm-hmm. it's always communication, communication. Like basically that's kind of the big thing and a communication, whether it's just regular relation, personality things from finances to even sex, you know, communication has to be key in everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thinking about this journey as far as, teaching on sex, what was your experience of, you know, growing up in your own home and how did your parents, did your parents ever talk to you about it? How was the experience or was it even, even talked about in the home? Well, um, my mom swears she talked to me about it, but I must've not been present for that conversation because I'm like, mom, I really, truly feel like I would remember that conversation. (laughs) But um, I think I know like we talked about it in Girl Scouts, for example, like the biological side of things. Mm-hmm. So I, I can specifically remembering learning that. And then obviously like camp and um, like youth camp and state youth conventions and church youth group, it was talked about in, in terms of a spiritual side and uh, a church, the church's perspective on sex, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in my own home, like 
it, it was discussed very simply, like, it's just not something you, you do before marriage. I feel mm -hmm. like that was the extent of that conversation. And, but I know for a fact that my parents, you know, are happily married. They've been married for almost 50 years. And I know as a teen, I was well aware that they were, ha had a happy sex life. So it, it, I was, it was aware of it, but it just wasn't really discussed much at, at my house. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm trying to think about, you know, I remember, and you know, that idea of being not present, I can, I'd remember the conversation my dad had with me. Cause I think I may have been in like maybe sixth grade, maybe seventh okay. grade. And I remember he, it was almost like it came out of left field. I'm just sitting <laughs> in my room, like I'm sitting in my room playing like a video game. My dad comes in and goes, Hey son, we need to talk. I'm like, Oh, am I in trouble? He's like, Nope. And he goes, well, you're becoming a man. And right when he started talking, it was almost like I zoned completely out of that conversation. It just seemed very uncomfortable and very, Mm -hmm. I think very awkward in some ways. Like he just, he, he it was like, I need to talk to my son about it, but I don't know how to approach it. Yeah. And maybe. And I think a lot of it may have been with him growing up in the Nazarene church, which they were very strict as far as no, don't go to your proms. Don't go to dances. Don't do that. Oh, I so, so, I mean, even in just socially, you know, strict things like don't go to movie theaters. Cause that can lead to, you know, with your girlfriend, because that can lead to this, lead to this, lead to this, which eventually all leads down to sex. So maybe in some ways he felt uncomfortable because maybe it was uncomfortable. Maybe it was just kind of a generational thing. Um, I, I would agree with you. I feel like um, our parents' generation, it wasn't discussed much. At, and my mom, like I can remember her telling me she came into marriage thinking that a condom was a bubble you got into. Like it just literally uh, didn't have even basic knowledge going into, sorry, mom. Sorry. I'm like sharing your secrets. Um, <laughs> but I think that kind of gives perspective though, that she just didn't have those kind of conversations. And so I don't think she or my dad really knew how to approach them with us. They grew up in very conservative homes and, um, you know, I just don't think they quite knew, kind of like your dad. It kind of came out of nowhere. I know I have to talk about this and I don't quite know how. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with that, you know, it, it seems like, you know, when it comes to parents and being mm -hmm. growing up, you know, it seemed like, because again, we're very similar in age, so kind of my parents, your parents, almost like, well, we'll talk, we, we swear we talked to you about it, but it may be something where it was just so not like a big deal or maybe kind of very well how do I approach this that it almost kind right. of went in one ear out the other and it never really resonated so take that and kind of reflect on just growing up in the church being part of church culture how what was really the main communication on sex within church circles um I specifically remember hearing the conversation was you don't have sex like you, you just don't do it and you avoid situations that could lead to sex. And also, you know, especially for women, you could get pregnant. Like that mm -hmm. was the, that was the big thing. Like that, that, that's what it could lead to. Um, and I don't, I don't ever remember necessarily being given specific biblical reasons why not to engage in sex before marriage. I mean, that was always the thing. Once you're married, then it's okay. Like sex is meant for once you're married, mm -hmm. but there wasn't a whole lot of explanation. Um, and again, I don't know if it's people just weren't sure how to approach the subject. They weren't comfortable with it. They didn't, um, you know, know how to make it relatable. I don't know. I think what you were saying earlier about 
convert the communication. And I feel like if you open a conversation with people and it's a continuous time of communication, like you can build on things instead of like a one time, okay, this is purity weekend and we're going to talk all about it mm-hmm. and we're never going to talk about it again. And I almost feel like that's kind of how it was. It was thrown at us and then we were done talking about it. I can specifically remember one Ohio State Youth Convention where they literally sent throughout what would Jesus do boxers into the crowd for boys to wear like as a deterrent. <laughs> like I don't know. I... <laughs> oh wow. Um yeah, I mean and I think that's interesting. So, I mean, within church, how was it? And you kind of talk a little bit about the boxers uh, being thrown, you know, again, <laughs> talking about camp. And I know you and I, we've worked in camp ministry together. Yeah. How from, and I guess it's kind of good just to kind of talk about, you know, being a camper to being, again, a leader leading right. a camp. How has that topic been handled, whether within from your staff either teaching it from counselors mm-hmm. teaching it or even like when we've had when, when we have camp pastors come and talk about it what have you seen or experienced from i know i'm just cracking up the whole eggs right now so let's just get it all out there so what was kind of your experience in seeing that um as a camper i don't i don't remember any specific conversations i can remember having like a maybe a class about it like a morning session about it um from staff members nothing's like really standing out in my mind i know once we were directors we tried to advise counselors not to approach the subject very much in depth but rather to encourage campers to talk to their parents or talk to a trusted adult at home, Mm -hmm. not because they weren't capable of approaching the subject, but just that um, we wanted to make sure campers, students were getting information that their parents wanted them to hear or that they could be followed up with. Because like we were saying, it needs to be a continual conversation. And also when you have 15 or 16 year old counselors, they may not be the best resource for kids making tough decisions about sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, and I would agree with you because even like, you know, as a, you know, as a pastor who's kind of doing it all, you know, I even talked to like parents and even my elder board with our teens, mm-hmm. like, you know, when should we start having this conversation? And it was right. hard because, you know, sometimes it's about, well, look at their age, are they even interested in that topic right now? Are, are, mm-hmm. Is there any indicators that say, oh, this is something that needs to be discussed um, to the point where, you know, maybe there's some who may be 15 years old and they're asking questions and they're ready to start dating and all that. And then there's some 15 year olds who, you know, they're not even answering those questions or even interested in any of that things until maybe a senior in high school, or maybe when they first yeah. step on college or or do, or even decide to go into the workforce after school. So I think even when it comes to the church trying to address it, there's a lot of things, well, you know, you don't want to say something and be very in depth. And then some of them are going to get it. Some of them are going to be very uncomfortable. And right. then, or you have to switch where you're so nonchalant or even not even addressing the elephant in the room sometimes where it's like, well, it was never, it was never taught. Like I, like even I'm trying to think of my church experience. And I think the first time I've ever heard anybody talk about in detail about sex, 
um, contraceptives, STDs, pregnancy, would have been probably maybe seventh, eighth grade. And it was from Planned Parenthood. And the reason why I remember that, because the very first day, this lady came in and she handed out mirrors, like in a gel-like protector with a heart on it. And it said, abstinence is freedom. And that's the first time I ever heard anyone talk about abstinence. And even talked about, and even, it is very interesting because she talked about, um, you know, she talked about everything, but she says, you know, pregnancy, STDs, even contraceptives, sometimes those don't work. There is a, it's not foolproof, but if you Mm -hmm. really don't want to be pregnant, if you really don't want to have an STD, and even she even kind of talked about the psychological point of view, and even if you don't want to have to carry a weight of issues that can come with having sex early, Mm-hmm. then really the only way you're going to do that is from abstaining until you're with somebody who you really want to share that moment with. And it's someone you trust. And it was just like, okay, you know, that was, but I mean, that was something I never heard in church. I can remember in 1996, and this might move into our next topic about uh, purity culture um, where I remember it was in Phoenix, Arizona, and I forget who the speaker was, but they handed out cards and you had to fill out these cards. And it was one of these things where it's like you, I am making a commitment. I'm either as a commitment or a covenant, which I, those are two different things. At least I believe those are two different things um, (laughs) that I am not going to have sex. I'm going to save myself for marriage. With that also being said, there's been times where, and I don't, and I can't really pinpoint whether it was in a camp setting or a conference setting, but there have been times where when that idea of sexuality or sex was taught, and then the the, the speaker would address those who may have already had sex, teens who have already had sex, there was this idea of, you know, you can repent and become a spiritual virgin. That was always the term that was used, but then it was also kind of like, there's hope for you, but then there's almost like almost a shame thing to it. Like, well, it's not as good as being a physical one. Like it's almost like kind of a weird, like shame thing. Like you, you know, here's hope for you, but it's still not as good as if you haven't had sex at all. So, um, so <laughs> what was your experience as far as like when we talk about purity culture? Cause I know that's been a big topic. I know my wife's been listening to a podcast. Um, and that's been a topic that has been brought up and even, um, even the guy who wrote I Kissed Dating Goodbye, Joshua Harris, has even mm-hmm. come out and kind of even condemned his own writing many years later. So how, so how was purity culture explained to you or how did that affect you growing up? Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned both that book and um, like having signed something because I was trying to think back um, when I saw your topic of purity culture and I didn't read that book. And I have heard other people talk about signing something or committing to something. And I was never part of my experience. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I just missed that conference or, uh, (laughs) or what, but I, I know purity and abstinence were discussed and kind of like you said, in the context of that, that's where freedom is. You don't have the same kind of worry if you're making those choices, you know, here are some other options, but abstinence being, being, you know, the best choice is kind of what I was taught. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, I, I didn't read the, that book. I don't, um, did you read that book? No, I didn't read any Christian <laughs> dating books. <laughs> Me neither. I, I, I don't know. 
and and I think and I think the reason why I never read them because I was never interested. Like I was interested in girls. Okay, let's set the record straight there. (laughs) But um, but I was never interested in dating because I felt like any time when my friends would date someone, I always thought, yeah, it would Mm -hmm. be nice. But I think I was just in a whole different world. It's like you know, I'm just gonna be me. I'm just going to kind of live my life and I'm not going to worry about women, which, you know, I feel like years later, I've had conversations with people go, Oh yeah, I, I had the biggest crush on you at camp. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, like I had no, but I, I was oblivious to it because I guess at my, at that point, I really wasn't interested in dating at all. And I felt like anytime when dating ever was talked about to me, um, it usually felt like the girl had to initiate it because I wasn't going to. And it wasn't because I was like, I'm not interested. It's just like, I'm just not, I guess I just wasn't interested at that time in dating. So I never, I mean, I was, books, I never was a part of that culture. <laughs> I already, I think I already was dating when the books came out mm-hmm. and um, I'm pretty much a rule follower. Uh, yeah. At that point in my life, I was very black and white. I lived in a very black and white world and so I, I, I think, not that I didn't see the value in the book, but I didn't at that point, I kind of like, I didn't feel like I needed it. I didn't, I didn't know mm-hmm. what it was going to, to, to teach me, I guess. Um, so I didn't end up reading any yeah. day. And <laughs> I mean, and I get, and I don't know, like, cause again, I didn't read those books. And even though I would say that I never dived into the whole purity culture thing, even though I did sign that piece of paper, which I don't know who has that piece of paper still? Cause that's not me. Or if I, if they gave it to me, it's in the trash can many years later. <laughs> but I know talking with other people and even just hearing their stories, I think a lot of times with purity culture, it was not necessarily just about sex so much, but it mm-hmm. was, it was almost like, you know, that idea of dating and the reason why you are dating somebody is so that you can, and I don't know if this is from, because again, I didn't experience this. This is what, usually females have told me is that Mm -hmm. I'm dating somebody so that eventually I can get married. So then, you know, sex is now, you know, that door is now wide open. I can have sex now, but almost like that I will then be completed. That idea that, you know, now I have fulfillment. I now have value, not necessarily that they didn't have value before, but there's almost like a, a cement of like now value, which, you know, when I think about growing up at a, going to a Christian college, I remember freshman hike and right at the (laughs) beginning, guys in one line, girls, another line. And then everyone's chanting, meet your mate, meet your mate. And that's kind of, and I mean, and you're thinking that's how, and I remember thinking, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? But I mean, I did it. And I mean, I never talked to any of the girls that I had to hold hands with and talk with. Um, but when I think about now, so far removed from undergrad now, and I've seen people who have dated someone, got engaged and got a ring by spring all within like nine months. <laughs> And mm-hmm. some of them, you know, some of them are, you know, they have kids, they have good marriages, they're still going. But then there are some who after four or five years, you know, they're no longer right. together. They're all married, different mm-hmm. people. And, you know, there's a part of me that goes, well, did any of that have to play into some of the downfall? Or maybe it's, or it could be unrelated, but it's one of those things where I think about, because even for me, when it comes to that, like, I was almost like, you know, again, I, it almost felt like it was communicated. And maybe you can, was that <laughs> men, me as a teen boy, 
um, that I'm these like sexual hyper Neanderthals. So, you know, so I have to put myself in check. So even like when people would ask me, oh, do you think this person's cute? I would never answer them. Because I felt like if I answered that, then that was mm-hmm. going to be, you know, I felt like that might have been sinning in some ways. So I would never answer it. On the same token, from my perspective, seeing this, and I think maybe you could address this because this was a camp, <laughs> definitely a camp thing, that when there would be the talk with all the female campers yes. about their clothing attire, mm-hmm. it almost felt like, well, you have to change the way you look because these Neanderthals all they're going to do is like slobber all over you. There's going to be like werewolves, like, like all that. And it's like, well, wait a minute. That's not entirely the case, but okay. Thanks for calling me a, a sexual Neanderthal, you know? So, so from the other end, from a female perspective, how would you comment on that on everything I've just said there? Yeah. Um, I was thinking the things that were coming to my mind when you were referencing being at college is like a ring by spring or get your, Mrs. Degree, you know, those kind mm-hmm. of comments that I think are innocent, but do sometimes put pressure on women, especially, and sometimes men, you know, to find that mate, like you said, to complete you that you're not going to be whole until you find that person. And again, I don't, I don't think it's intentional, but it does kind of, um, I think it does kind of go into your subconscious and you think about that. Like, I know for me, um, because it was always like, you can't have sex, you can't have sex, you can't have sex. Like sex was, sex was almost painted in a negative light Mm -hmm. and it became a negative thing, even though that was never, I don't think anybody's intent. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking to camp, um, I, you know, now again, being an adult, having my own children kind of reflecting back on that and seeing from a guy's perspective, Um, I know for us, it was always the three B's. You better have your boobs, your butt, and your belly covered. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, otherwise, you know, we're causing the the men to just lose themselves, apparently. (laughs) And I think there's responsibility on both sides. I think, like you said, it's, it's our responsibility as individuals to make choices to keep ourselves in check or to, um, with how we handle that kind of desire in our life. And I think we do have a responsibility to one another, but at the same time, you, you know, you shouldn't necessarily have to compromise who you are because of what other people may or may not do or what they may or may not think, you know, we're responsible for each or ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And even, but I can remember being in those conversations. <laughs> and I, I mean, I can remember me and your husband sitting in there, like having a meeting talking about what we're going to do next for an evening activity. Cause it's raining or planning stuff. And then, it's like, why are all these girls coming in here? What's going on? I have to sit in there and hear. And it, it made me uncomfortable just being in that room. I'm sure they felt very uncomfortable. For me, I'm like, yeah. uh, maybe, John, maybe you and me should just get out of here right now and go, go somewhere else and have these conversations. Um, but, you know, and again, I don't know, because when I think about, you know, the stuff that they wore, I never mm-hmm. thought that, oh, the things that they're wearing were enticing like I understood like I understood definitely understood like you know me not me but guys <laughs> wearing a speedo you know yeah let's not do that <laughs> yeah. or or girls not wearing a bikini or if they do if that's the right. only thing they have cover up and I, I mean I, I was perfectly fine with that but then when you got to the point of like length of shorts and maybe you know how thick the tank top straps need to be that was stuff that never really bothered me Mm-hmm. And, and again, and me thinking like, you know, because again, I used to shop at like, you know, the old navies or the 
Pacific Sunwear back when I was a teen. And that was the type of clothing I was always exposed to. And part of me was like, well, where are you going to get your normal clothing? Because it seems like everywhere I look, it's always shorts that are short with yeah. even with the pockets kind of coming out at the edges. Um, so it's very, so it's very weird. Like, well, where are they going to find clothes? Do they have to buy men's clothes to come to camp? Like, I, I mean, these were things that I always thought about at the yeah. same time, you know, I would always think that, you know, if, if there's guys who are girl crazy, it didn't matter what you put them in. Right. I mean, if they have that thing where they're just going to be obsessing over a female, if whether they were wearing a spaghetti strap tank top or they were wearing a t-shirt, it didn't matter. <laughs> they were just going to be like, you know, they're just there. So, it, it, so I mean, and I mean, I guess in that case, you know, I don't know what to do with that. Because again, I was never in those meetings <laughs> to make those type of decisions and good thing I wasn't. Because I'd be like, oh, well, it's not a big deal. <laughs> like, um, but I think it's kind of, a, it's interesting where we think how, you know, I mean, again, like, you know, my kids are very young, so I'm not doing, mm-hmm. you know, they're, sh- they're, but I mean, even with my daughter, you, like her shorts, they're little kid shorts. So they're already short. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. is that going to translate to when she becomes 11 or 13 or 16, mm-hmm. you know? Is that going to be just the size that they can wear? Or does she have to wear like basketball shorts down to her knees? Because right. that's the only way that can cover Because I don't want to show any thigh or too much thigh because Neanderthals are going to like start chasing after her. Um, so, so, um, so when we think about all this stuff that we're talking about, how has growing up in the church, your experience at camp, meet, at camp meetings, camps, conferences, everything else, this topic of sex, how has that shaped your view or how has that helped or even hindered your view when it came to your own view of sex or how that may have been discussed or even how that, what that looked like within your own home, not to get too inappropriate, but you know, how did that, but how did that, how did that, change or what was that how did you feel in those situations when you are now an adult and now that door's open like how how did that work for you I get not how that worked for you I can't even think <laughs> the right words I guess was there what were the positives and the negatives of that exposure okay um I mean I've definitely discussed with other women how it kind of you literally go from like w- 10 minutes, a 10 minute ceremony. And now the world is open as far it went from, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. You can't do anything. It's all wrong. It's bad. Don't do it. It's negative to, Oh, now you're good. You can do whatever you want. As long as it's with your husband and in the context of your marriage, like everything's fine. Mm -hmm. And so trying to like reconcile that and say, okay, everything has been so bad, so bad, so bad, but now it's okay. Like you, it it was a struggle at the beginning, like Mm -hmm. to, to really be comfortable with myself and, and be comfortable in the context of marriage, um, you know, wanting to be intimate with my husband, but kind of finding that behind, like, like, almost again, that subconscious, like this has been so negative for so long. How do I cross that bridge and kind of work through it? And I think just for us, just communication, just being honest mm-hmm. about where we were and, you know, kind of how things were in, in time, um, yeah. mean, t- over time, I, I mean, you're, you're a married man, you yeah. know, over time, it, it does change. Sex within your marriage changes over time, especially having children and there's a whole new dynamic there. It, yeah. It evolves. And, yeah. And, and I would agree with you because I even felt like, you know, I, it, it was, it was like, 
okay, married. And it's like, okay, you're married. You have your wedding. You have your reception. Now, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, yeah. oh, well, hey, I know what we can do because I was told the thing I couldn't do, I can now do. Right. So I'm going to do that. And it was. And I would say, you know, you're, you've been married for 17 years. I've been married for 12 years. And I can remember, like, it was just awkward. Like, and it was. It wasn't necessarily that what the things we're doing were awkward, but it was more just that subconscious thing, like, oh, mm-hmm. like, what like you know and that's the thing because i felt like before it told you like man when you wait until marriage it's gonna be wonderful <laughs> and it's like is this wonderful because this is it i don't want to even do this anymore because it's so awkward it also didn't help that once we got to the when we got to the hotel before we had to catch our plane to go on our cruise that the fire alarm was going off a kid pulled a fire alarm and it was going off for eight hours. Uh, we literally sat and watched like, cause the Olympics were in China and we ended up watching the women's marathon from beginning to end. And that fire alarm was still going off. So there is nothing happening on that night. We couldn't sleep because it was like, uh, uh, and then it would stop. I'm like, Oh, like they couldn't figure out how to turn this thing off and the, there's three fire trucks out there at the hotel they couldn't figure out how to turn it but again that's just a funny story but but i felt like that's kind of how it was mentally it just felt like yeah. even when you were okay there was these alarms going off going eh, eh. and it's like oh well i'm gonna do this or is it okay and even sometimes right. i think it wasn't and not only necessarily like with me but even like with with my, with Laura, it was just like, you know, she wasn't comfortable with stuff and it was just, and she was going through the same thing. So it's almost like rubbing sandpaper against your skin. It was just like, it was uncomfortable and it just didn't, it just, and I think it because you felt like, well, this is so negative. I think again, time and communication, I think right. that there has been more of a stride um, where things have things that gotten worked out where we're now communicating, we are firing all cylinders. So then, so that mm-hmm. when intimacy does happen in the context of sexuality, it seems to be more natural and more kind of that, you know, Oh man, it's going to be great. Like when you've been hearing as a teenager, like, you know, it took right. like 12, almost 15 years to finally get that. And I even know other people, when they talk about, you want to know when you get to like your fifties or your sixties <laughs> or seventies, then it's really great. And it's like, okay, but, it, but I mean, but why is, and I guess the big question is, is if there wasn't that teaching mm-hmm. that, sex sex is wrong it's negative and weren't kind of communicated in a negative light which again like you said before i agree with you i don't think it that was the intention of it right yeah i don't think, I think so it was either. i think it was more of hey don't have sex until you're married because mm-hmm. of all this other stuff but then when you add a spiritual spin on it it's like you know i think even like josh mcdowell or like some of his conferences it's like oh like women like people who have sex outside of marriage you know they have a higher divorce rate and you know so you look at these statistics and you're like oh or women who have a baby you know they have a much more struggle because then they're struggling to because they're you know because the guy leaves and they're with the kid all by mm-hmm. themselves take care of it. so you know there's always these statistics that were whether they're right or wrong, but I mean, it was, it was that fear and don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And it was just, it's like you hear that and you're feeding it and you're eating that the whole entire time that finally when everything is kosher, it's almost (laughs) like, well, why is this so bad? You know, 
do, there's a reason that it's termed, you know, missionary style. And I think that the mindset of sex is painted in one light too. Like there's, there's not, like you're not taught to enjoy it outside of, of one, one way. You you know what I'm saying? So I think it takes time in your marriage to maybe be able to loosen up, to relax, to enjoy your spouse Yeah, because it, it, it's been negative and it's taught very Mm -hmm. Small, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, very small. And I would even say that because even like, you know, again, we, we kind of grew up from the same traditions as far as back yeah, in absolutely. our denomination. So when I think about, you know, other people who may have grew up from like even more conservative traditions, like a Southern Baptist background or maybe even a Lutheran background, you know, that their experience with that topic is a lot more severe where you know and i don't know exactly but i know there's some denominations where you know sex is specifically for having kids yeah and then once you so anything outside of baby making Mm -hmm. is still kind of seen in negative light i think at one point like early nazarene church was like that too like you know it's about you know it's only about having babies and stuff and it's like well and again, you know, be fruitful and multiply is usually the scripture they want to use. So that's the <laughs> only context. But then I always argue like, okay, then what was David and Solomon's excuse with all their concubines? You know, like <laughs> apparently lots of babies. Lots yeah. Of lot, well, well, if they were, if it, technically if it was a concubine, they can't get the throne unless it was the only male child. Then, you know, there was an exception to that rule, but I don't know, but I digress. Let's not, that's an old, another can of words I don't want to dive into. So again, we, so, so with everything we've talked about, everything we've kind of learning through this conversation now as a mom, and now again, mm-hmm. like you said, your son's starting to get to that age where, right. you know, now there's those conversations what are some techniques that you will child try to teach him, but what are some things that you may, that may kind of connect to what you've already learned or your experience. And what are some things that you're like, I'm going to completely change this thing. Cause whatever, however I was taught was not, was not mm-hmm. great at all or, or non-existent. So, so what's your <laughs> strategy to kind of help teach your kids about this and maybe give them a little bit better understanding or better view than what you had growing up? Um, well, I have two sons and two daughters. So, you know, kind of looking at how am I going to approach that with my boys and how am I going to approach that with my girls? And I think for me, one of the first choices I made was I'm not going to just push off the boys on John and say, hey, they're your boys. You need to have that conversation and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want to accept some responsibility for the boys and what their understanding is too. Um, with homeschooling, I'm approaching like the biological side of it too in school, like from an educational piece. Mm-hmm. And Michael, my oldest, he's 11. And this year he's in fifth grade and it's like the sex education year. Mm-hmm. And it's talking yeah. about the reproductive system and what the jobs of all of the reproductive organs are. And so he, he has a very scientific mind and as long as I approach things with him from a very scientific perspective, he's just like, Oh, okay. Like he accepts it and he's, he's good with it. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, from more of like an emotional side, I, I want to be honest and real with him too, so that he is comfortable enough to approach me with questions, you know, and not feel like John or I are closed off to questions. And I think that's one of the biggest pieces Um, for me with my kids is starting a conversation when they're younger 
and keeping it open so that they know I'm comfortable talking about it. I want to talk about it with them and letting them know up front, you know, whatever questions they have, whatever information they want, I will be as honest as I can be. Like even with choices I made and mistakes that I made in my life. And, and I know John too, like to us, that's an opportunity to teach them something and to help give them two sides of a picture sometimes as to what choices they want to make. And then also, I think you talked about um, like the shame sometimes that Mm -hmm. comes with it, like letting them know that, you know what, mistakes, mistakes will be made. That's just part of being human, but that I'm not going to be angry or shame them if that happens. And that again, I still want them to come and talk to me about it so that we can, can move forward and, and encourage them um, in the choices that they're making. And obviously I know that I will teach abstinence in my home because I feel like it is important. I feel like um, not making that choice until you are in a marital relationship is good because I, I think it really does better your marriage. You're not bringing in baggage that you then Mm -hmm. have to deal with as a married couple. And also it allows you to have first and experiences with your spouse that you haven't had before. Like you get to experience all of that with the person you've committed your life to. And so, but at the same time, you know, making sure that I paint a positive picture of what sex is and telling them that the reason they shouldn't is not because it's bad or wrong, but because it was designed to be enjoyed by committed people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And, and, and I would, and I would agree with you about, you know, just making sure you're open and honest, having that conversations, even let them know, Hey, I am here to yeah. talk to you. So even if you are, you know, Jones in, or you know, you're because you're, you're, you switched over to Neanderthal mode or whether you have made mistakes, you know, or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe boundaries, they get pushed a little bit, you know, right. talk to us. Let's, let's unpack it. Let's process this. Let's discuss it. Um, in a very open platform. I think what you said was also good too, because I think even, you know, when I think about, you know, my dad touching me, I don't think my mom ever had that conversation with me. It was almost like, Mm-hmm. boys be boys girls be girls and that's <laughs> right. how it is. And, and you know and I think you know when it comes you know if, if I'm always teaching my uh, clients or the couple doing premarital counseling and I'm telling them that it's communication well then when it comes to teaching about sex there has to be communication and Absolutely. I think that's why now where you know I think even before when you look at some of the older videos on like church instructional videos about sex and, you know, usually it would be like one person, whether it be a guy or be a female, but now you're seeing that there's couples Mm -hmm. talking about it. Like I think recently, like I was looking at just some marriage stuff and it seemed like almost everything through like right now media was a couple was talking about it, couple, couple, couple. And it's like, Oh, that's interesting. But at the same time, it makes sense because, you know, when Absolutely. you're having a dialogue, you need to have both perspectives, both perspectives and participants in that. And I think mm-hmm. especially when it comes to, and my, my whole, my whole, my whole theology, as far as like church teachings, especially, you know, a lot of that has to be in the home, you know, mm-hmm. especially, you know, I, even, even when it comes to personal devotion, you know, again, you know, if kids are in the home for 24 hours, seven days a week, you know, I only have an experience with them, maybe one or two hours a week. Right. Absolutely. Uh, same thing with adults too, one or two hours a week, 
maybe more if they're coming to extracurricular activities at the church. Um, so when it comes to teaching on anything, but more importantly, sex, you know, it has to be with the parents. And I think the best way the church can do is should the church not teach on sex? I think they should at some point they need to talk to that, whether it's an open forum, like in a normal Sunday morning conversation or within like a teen setting. But at the same time, I also think that it needs to be discussed in the home or have materials mm-hmm. the church provide opportunities or materials for that to be able to have those conversations, to be able well, to have I think, that. Yeah, thing. empowering parents, like mm-hmm. letting them know that this is an okay thing to talk about. It's a good thing to talk about. You know, yeah. don't, don't be afraid of the topic. And I think you, you mentioned earlier, sometimes with youth, you notice, okay, mm-hmm. it's, it's time to have this conversation. And that's maybe when the church can approach it, or, mm-hmm. you know, you as a pastor or youth pastor can approach that subject when you're seeing the need for it to happen. But I a hundred percent agree with you. Like, you know, to me, the church is supplemental to my child. Like, Mm-hmm. biblical teaching begins at home. That is, that is something that's important to us. We do on a daily basis. I can't mm-hmm. expect the church to take care of that for me. Yeah. Um, and I know some people don't feel as confident in teaching scripture or don't feel as confident in their relationship. Maybe they're newer to Christianity. And so they do rely more on the church, mm-hmm. but um, hopefully, you know, they, they do take those conversations into their home. And I think too, just helping our children understand why, like helping my girls understand why modesty is important. Like, is it the, the, the distance of, is your, is your uh, <laughs> spaghetti strap two inches across or two fingertips? Does that really matter? No, it's about being respectful of your body and taking care of mm-hmm. your body and being respectful of others. That's what it comes down to. Not how long your shorts are or how wide your tank top straps are. Yeah. It's yeah. It's modesty. And mm-hmm. so Exactly. All right. Well, thank you, Melissa, for joining me on this conversation. I think it's been a very informative conversation to talk about our experiences and kind of how our experiences shape on how we're going to teach uh, the next generation, more specifically in the home. Is there anything that we haven't talked about or haven't covered that you think needs to be addressed? nothing nothing okay that's fine I I always ask that question because sometimes it might be like oh yeah you know I need to talk about this or here's where I'm hearing my mom's talk about my mom friends talking about Uh, Uh, I was trying to think if there was anything specific I mean a lot of the things I heard are similar to my experience you know trying to overcome the negative side of things or um you know having a mom tell me they never told me why they always told me not to do it but no one ever told me why Mm -hmm. And, um, I can even specifically remember having like one mentor in my life who, when I got engaged was specific and came to me and felt like she could have a one-on-one conversation and said, Hey, look, now that you're engaged, you know, don't, don't see this as an opportunity to just to kind of let go of what, you know, the purity you've held on to, like Mm -hmm. see it through to your marriage because I feel like that's important. And so that is probably one of only a few conversations I had directly with a mentor or an adult. And I thought that was interesting kind of reflecting on this once you kind of brought up the topics, but yeah. um, All right. Well, again, Melissa, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and everybody else who's been listening. Thank you so much for uh, listening to us. Um, Again, if you like this podcast, you can go ahead and like share and even uh, subscribe to my podcast on any podcast platform. You can also, uh, 
comment and leave comments or questions on my website, thescott7.com. We'd like to hear what you think or even hear about your experiences uh, growing up and how sex was taught in your home or within your community, religious communities. All right. And again, Melissa, thank you so much for joining. I hope all of you have a wonderful day and I will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.